The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by U.S. Bank, the power of possible. Learn more at usbank.com newsroom. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, July 17th. In today's news, a Russian national is charged with infiltrating the conservative movement to push the Kremlin's agenda. President Trump is considering restarting peace talks with the Taliban. And Sinclair Broadcasting's bid to create a conservative television juggernaut hits a snag. But first, the big idea. Trump ignored advisors in embracing Putin. Ahead of his summit on Monday in Helsinki with Russian President Vladimir Putin, staffers provided President Trump with some 100 pages of briefing materials aimed at laying out a tough posture toward Putin. He ignored most of it. As one person familiar with the discussions told my colleagues who are traveling in Finland, Trump's remarks were very much counter to the plan. Everyone around Trump was urging him to take a firm stance with Putin. Before Monday's meeting, advisors covered matters from Russia's annexation of Crimea to its interference in the U.S. elections, but Trump made a game-time decision to handle things his way. The result is what's being universally covered as a triumph for the Kremlin. At a news conference, Trump said he gave the same weight to Putin's denial that Russia assaulted U.S. democracy as he does to the U.S. intelligence community's certainty that he did. All I can do is ask the question. My... People came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, He just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be, but I really do want to see the server. Uh, But I uh, I have confidence in both parties. Even Trump's own director of national intelligence, former Republican Senator Dan Coats of Indiana, put out a statement after the news conference saying Trump was wrong. There is overwhelming evidence to show that Russia orchestrated a campaign of cyber espionage and propaganda to interfere in the U.S. presidential election in 2016. The U.S. intelligence community, the Department of Justice and the House and Senate intelligence committees have all arrived at this conclusion. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov called the summit fabulous and better than super, while Putin spokesman Dmitry Peskov was literally snickering with exuberance as he watched Trump from the sidelines. Even hosts on Fox News, the president's favorite channel, were aghast at his praise for Putin and his attacks on special counsel Bob Mueller. Here's Neil Cavuto, an anchor on Fox Business. And that's what made it disgusting. That's what made his performance Disgusting. I'm sorry, it's just the only way I feel. It's not a right or left thing to me. It's just wrong. A U.S. president on foreign soil talking to our biggest enemy or adversary or competitor, I, I don't know how we define them these days, is essentially letting the guy get away with this and not even, you know, uh, offering a mild, a mild criticism. That, 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 that sets us back a lot. Others went farther. John King on CNN called it a surrender summit. And I have never seen an American president simply surrender to the leader of Russia. You should call this the Surrender Summit. Andrea Mitchell, a foreign affairs reporter on MSNBC, was also stunned. The shock of seeing the American president standing next to Vladimir Putin and essentially taking his side against American intelligence. 
uh, was stunning. Democrats say the only plausible explanation for Trump bowing to Putin this way is that the Russians must have some kind of compromising material on him. Trump, of course, denies this, and he said yesterday it would have already come out if they did. During the news conference, Putin, for his part, did not explicitly deny that Russia has compromising information about Trump or his family. Instead, he offered a winding response about how little he knew about Trump's previous travels to Russia. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, Russian national Maria Butina was charged in D.C. on Monday with conspiracy to act as an agent of Russia. Butina, a former furniture store owner from Siberia, is accused of trying to cultivate relationships with American politicians to establish back-channel lines of communication. She also sought to infiltrate U.S. political groups, including the National Rifle Association and conservative political organizations, all to advance the Kremlin's agenda. The arrest was made after law enforcement officials became increasingly concerned that Butina seemed to be planning to leave the Washington area a trip which could pose operational challenges to their surveillance. Butina was allegedly assisted by a U.S. political operative who helped introduce her to influential political figures. The person is not named in the indictment, but the description matches that of a GOP consultant named Paul Erickson. While the case is not a part of special counsel Bob Mueller's investigation, it lays out the strongest allegations to date of American involvement in Russia's influence operations. Number two. The Trump administration is making a renewed push to jumpstart peace talks in Afghanistan. It's also considering restarting direct peace talks with the Taliban, a move that in the past has drawn strong protests from the Afghan government. The peace effort is being spurred by concerns that the current Afghanistan strategy, approved by Trump last summer, as well as the addition of several thousand additional U.S. troops, have not been enough to break the stalemate or reverse the Taliban's momentum. The possibility of talks between the U.S. and the Taliban is still in the early stages. One U.S. official tells us that while attention is being paid to the issue, there is no clear negotiating strategy yet and no personnel ready to carry out real talks. Number three, Sinclair Broadcasting's bid to create a conservative television giant appeared to be in doubt on Monday after federal regulators highlighted what they described as serious concerns with the proposed acquisition of Tribune Media. Sinclair's proposed merger would give the conservative broadcaster an unprecedented grip over American television screens. Its original proposal, if approved, would have given it access to over 70% of television households in America. That surpasses the FCC's national ownership cap of about 40%. The cap is in place to ensure that enough independent voices can thrive or survive on the airwaves. In a move that was clearly designed to evade the FCC caps, Sinclair proposed to spin off several stations to stay just under it. But the owners of those spin-off stations would still have close ties to Sinclair and the company would have maintained an ownership stake. FCC chairman Ajit Pai, who was appointed by Trump, is planning on sending key parts of the $3.9 billion proposed deal to be reviewed by an administrative law judge. That's typically the first step that the FCC takes when it wants to block a deal. And it marks a notable shift from Pi's previous moves to deregulate the broadcast industry and encourage consolidation. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, July 17th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Holman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.